Welcome back everybody to Hope Carpool Q&A. How you going Tom? Very good mate, doing very well. Just come off the back of Hope Reform Baptist Church Gold Coast yep. and we're driving up to Logan. Tom's preaching through Colossians, it's good. This is our um, Q&A driving video where I'm driving, Tom's mostly talking and we just talk about all things related to the theology of the church, mission, and today we're on the topic of spiritual gifts. Hoorah. Which should be good. Yep. So we're just going to start. I'll give a five-minute tongues, and then Tom will give the I'm ready. Um, Tom will give the interpretation. Um, no, we won't be doing that. As, but, long, as, but as the, long as your eyes are open, I'm happy. There will be a prophetic word at the end, though, so you better watch the whole video. Um, no. Okay, so spiritual gifts, Tom. Yeah. Talk to us. What are spiritual gifts, and why? Why does God give them to the church? Okay, spiritual gifts are um, spirit-given abilities or um, talents, gifts, of course, um, uh, given to the people of God so that we can, and this is, this is the most important part, so that we can be empowered for the mission of building the church. That's the most important part. Um, so the what can be various and diverse things. Um, the why is uh, in order to build the church and the, and the kingdom of Jesus. These spiritual gifts that God gives to his people, uh, does he give these gifts to his people at conversion? Do some gifts appear later on in the Christian's life? Mm. Um, how are gifts strengthened and grown and developed? Can gifts be taken away? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is, there's sort of a theology out there that um, kind of have us believe that spiritual gifts are akin to mutations in the in the mutants of the X-Men world. You've always got it sitting there latent, and you just come of age, and at some point it awakens, like you take the right spiritual gift test, or somebody prays over you and it awakens, but, but you always had the same one, or you always had... Uh, that they're always given at, spirit, at, at spiritual birth, that is salvation. I don't believe. I don't think that's that's um, necessarily true. I don't think it's. I don't think that's a theology that's born out of the New Testament whatsoever. Spiritual gifts are sovereignly given by the Holy Spirit, so you can't demand them. Just similar to salvation, but really, just since He is the Lord of these gifts. Um, and I'll just say, when we say gifts. The reason we say gifts is primarily because uh, that's the meaning of the charismata, which is the, the, the New Testament word for the spiritual gifts. And that's why people who believe in the continuation of certain gifts are called charismatics. Um, or when we speak of the charismatic gifts, theologically really that means the gifts of the Spirit. So the charismata is really just gifts of grace. Right? So, or gracious gifts. It's not, the gifts is not primarily on the ability, you know, where we might say your gifts and talents. We're not using gifts in that sense. Yeah. We're using gifts in the something received from the Holy Spirit on the basis of grace. That's why we say gifts. And the reason I make that distinction is because sometimes we get confused thinking a gift has to be an ability uh, much like other uh other human abilities or developed abilities, um, and, 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 and they, can just, they can just bring all sorts of different confusion. I won't go into all, all the different ways that goes wrong, but anyway, when we talk about the gifts, we're not so much meaning it's about me, something I can do, 
I'm meaning it's something bestowed from the Spirit. That's what we mean by gift. Um, and uh, now I forgot your, your question. What was it? What was the... Yeah, when, when are these gifts oh, given yeah. to Christians? Yeah, uh, it can be all throughout your life. One misconception, again, is that we get it always at the beginning of our life, or we whatever one we've had in the past, we will always keep, and they'll always be the same. That's not true. Um, we see Timothy, for example, off the top of my head, Paul is talking to Timothy and saying that he received that uh, um, uh, anointing to be a preacher, the gift of preaching, as he was had his lay, the hands were laid upon him through the gift of prophecy. Um, uh, so obviously, what's happening there is the elders with Paul were praying over Timothy and one of them were told by God that he's going to be a preacher and therefore to pray for the gift of, of preaching and, and exposition and teaching and which is where I think the word of knowledge comes in hand in hand the gift of teaching um, not so much prophecy um, I, I think that the, the word of knowledge is a subset of teaching not a subset of prophecy um, so all of that was given to him and I guess awakened in him if we use that language uh, at the moment of his ordination, or at least at that point, that he was at that prayer meeting, rather than when he was first born. So, uh, and as well, some people um, uh, uh, whether we take healing as one of the ex uh, extreme examples, um, the very presence of sickness in the early church among people who would prefer to be well. So it wasn't that they weren't asking God. Um, the very presence of sickness among the people of God in the midst of people who had previously healed people show us that healing was not always at the sovereignty of the of the person with that spiritual gift right so uh, another proof that spiritual gifts are not kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh deck of cards or or a ring of power right <laughs> in Lord of the Rings that is that is given to somebody now it's yours to use as you choose as you uh, as you will they are they are given but then they're also always used in the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit so he can take back things that he doesn't want to continue to use you for he can change your sort of angle of ministry and give to you something else yep. um, yeah so so I think that we should think uh, uh, since they are the gifts since the the gifts are subservient to the purpose of building the church the gifts that I can pray for and expect will be in line with and probably change with how I'm being used in the church right um, yeah I, I think that's that's how we should yeah. we, we should expect it to change as much as our role in the church might change and so probably on the back of that I would say um, as well a lot of people try and figure out what's my spiritual gift I'll do the online test like it's a personality test I'll, I'll meet with my pastor and have him pray of me I'll meet with the apostle and try and discern stuff all of that is is you know farcical ways of discerning they say people think what's my spiritual gift if I don't know I need to find it out and then once I do know now I need to find a way to serve in line with that that's already on its head rather Get busy building the church the best way you can, whatever is available to you right now. If you have no idea what's available to you, go and meet with your elder and say, how can I be of use in this church? I have a heart to serve as the Spirit has given me. And as you serve, God is sovereign, God is good, God is faithful. He will lead you to those areas where you realize and other people realize you're good at that. 
God grows the church through that. Not that you get attention when you do that necessarily. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for uh, people being saved, a new people coming and being committed to the church, and a committed people being grown in their understanding of the gospel and the word of God, and in their service to the church through me. So for some people, they see that happen in their gift of, of hospitality. They're amazingly gifted at that, so that people come in, feel welcomed, and stick around. Um, some people see that particularly through their gift of um, teaching. They're able to uh, uh, just explain, just word things in such a way, just uh, uh, present things to the end, to the questions of the people that that, that that new people are being saved, saved people are coming to church, people at church are being blessed and growing, all of that stuff. So in other words, this gifts are about building the church therefore get busy building the church and as you see God bless your work in building the church then you can say I think I'm gifted in that way and then of course as hand in hand as you're studying the spiritual gifts it becomes very clear like I've got the gift of teaching I've got the gift of, of, of the prayer of faith I've got the gift of, of wisdom I've got the gift of service I've got the gift of hospitality and whatever it is yep. so I, I would absolutely say you know how you have them by serving the church now, from God's point of view, I think that's the reason he gives it that way is because that assures humility. Instead of, you know, as if you're some king who gets to say, well, my time is not worth wasting. Tell me the, get, tell me my gift and then I can get straight into doing exactly what it is. No, one of the, you know, the gifts of the Spirit are best used by those with the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are grown, really harvested through deep missional church work. So do that, and then you're cultivating this fruit of the Spirit, so that when the gifts of the Spirit are, are evident, you're going to be in the best possible, healthy, uh, uh, spiritually uh, sound state and position to be able to then utilize it. Yep. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives no gifts to the stagnant, unmissional, unserving Christian. Mm. And, and on just that last note, if gifts are things that God gives to his people for the mission. Uh, let's take a gift like teaching, for instance. Someone might say, yeah, Tom, I reckon you've got the gift of teaching. Thank you. And then we might we might look at... Uh, I hope. Yeah, I, I, you hope. You hope, you hope uh, your pastor would have a gift of teaching. Um, let's say, let's say theoretically, Tom has a gift of, of teaching. And then we would look at maybe just someone who's not a Christian, but a really good communicator. Yeah. What's the differentiation between or even someone who's just in like a false church and they're, they're a really good communicator, like yeah. a heretic. What's yeah. the difference between you being a good communicator and someone who's not a Christian? Yeah, is that the uh, the Holy Spirit is using me to build the church. Yep. So if I'm in a false church, or if I'm a great, great teacher, great communicator, and I teach false things, um, the people of God should have no confidence that you have the spiritual gift of teaching. Because he doesn't bless the false prophets with the gifts in order to right. grow the church. Now, that's not the same question as, is it possible that they also are spiritually empowered? Yes, possibly. Because everything that God does, Satan counterfeits. So are there counterfeit gifts? Absolutely. Are there counterfeit miracles? Yes. Is there counterfeit charisma? Is there counterfeit teaching? Is there counterfeit um, gifts? Absolutely. You better believe there is. The cults are some of the most, you know, is there a counterfeit um, uh, 
spiritual gift of hospitality and service. Yes. You ever been loved on by a cult? They always love bomb you, get you so, so welcome, so glad you're in, they draw you in and then, you know, you try and leave and they, they hate you and say you're going to hell. But yes, there are these, there are, there are counterfeit spiritual gifts. So that's one level, is if it's a false church, especially if it's a heretical teacher, we can say, how come they can communicate 20 times better than somebody, with, you know, in the church as, a, as an elder can? It doesn't mean they've got more of the spirit. It's right. just a counterfeit. But, um, but I guess maybe also behind that question is, uh, should we expect that if that guy gets saved, he'll then be a preacher? You know, does does spirit, do spiritual gifts always reflect, are they always a an empowerment of what's already there at salvation? You know, do they always go hand in hand with natural gifts? Uh, and I don't think so. I don't think so. There are some people who are tremendous communicators, and they get saved, and then they they shut up, and they repent of what they're doing, and they become more humble communicators. And maybe they're still, you know, the coach and the and the CEO, leadership team developer, whatever. Uh, but he doesn't. But he doesn't say I need to be the preacher because that's not what he's called to do. You know, the spiritual gifts are not always just the spiritual equivalent of whatever you're good at. Um, uh, the other, the uh, I guess the other part of that would be to say, um, but they might be, right? Paul was obviously a teacher, an eminent theologian, and all of that, but he was he was totally um, satanic in the sense of the word that he was against the church. He was attacking Jesus with his teaching, with his leadership, with his theology, with his doctrines, and all of that. Okay, so. But then Jesus saved him, and what does he make him? Well, he makes him a preacher. Uh, so, so, so I'm, I'm open to that. And, I, and if I'm seeing a new believer and they're asking me, like, you know, what might my spiritual gifts be? I'll say, well, let's find out by getting you serving. And they might go, well, how can I serve? And I say, well, what are you good at? What do you love to do? What do you want to do? And sometimes that's a pretty shallow question, and I might just tell them, go stack chairs, get some humility, serve the kingdom, and evangelize, right? Spiritual gift of stacking chairs. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, come on. Um, but but also, I'm, I'm going to go, but what are you good at? And, and what do you love to do? And what has Jesus already gifted you with in, in, in natural ability, right? Because um, it would be a little bit too Gnostic, too anti-realist to say that the spirit it's only counted as a spiritual gift or we can only expect that. If they were bad at it before they were saved, right? There had to be no inkling of it. And then once they got saved, they had this ability to do it. I'll go, no, if I know a guy who is a very sharp thinker and, had, you know, is, is very learned and then he gets saved, I'm going to start pushing him into, into reading and assessment and start really testing his theology and his ability to argue and to understand and to wrap his mind around and to communicate because I might have the next huge theologian on my hands. Yep. I'm not going to promise that. I'm not going to always expect that but I'm gonna I want um, you know I, I expect God to not just create new things out of nothing but to also redeem what used to be there yeah strip down the sin and then turn that ability into something effective but again in, in, for the individual wondering this is what I was good at before well this is what I'm good at naturally is that necessarily a spiritual gift I would say maybe maybe you don't get to lean on that as an authority yeah you don't get to Assume that of God again. The Holy Spirit is the sovereign one who gives these gifts. Yep. Or rather, Ephesians four tells us 
Jesus is giving the gifts through the Holy Spirit to his church. Um, so, so just pray. Just serve and pray. Yep. The mission is where you find out your spiritual gifts. Yeah. Get busy with mission. Yeah, do how, mission. How do you think about this in terms of a church plant context? Like you've got 20 people, you're starting a church. Yeah. You've got stuff that needs to get done. There's, you know, there's practical needs. There's also probably maybe teaching needs. Like um, how do you think through setting up a functioning yeah. body like 1 Corinthians 12, all in yeah. unity, uh, one part, many members? How do you think about doing that, setting that up as, a, as an elder? Yeah, if we go right back, I guess, to the first few weeks, our, our um, theology of church planting mm. is that we really set down a seed to somewhere such that it will bear fruit, it will germinate, it will become a sapling, and then its own independent tree. Um, that's what we mean by church plant. Not that we're lopping off half of a building, half of a plant, and then putting it somewhere else, but we are planting something from the get-go. And so um, uh, in a small church plant, you're going to have the, the ability, I guess, to um, uh, see more of what's going on because you don't have 100 people, you have 20. Right? Um, so in that sense, you can, you can sort of keep your eyes on and go, now who do I see doing this well? She's always bringing food. She's not even on the, on the roster. She just can't help but cook food, bring food, and everybody loves it. And it really benefits the fellowship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on that, to use some pastor's uh, language. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leverage that, is what I would say. I'm going to unapologetically deploy the, the people who have gifts. You know, I'm not apologetic to see a, a young guy with some potential and say, hey, host a fellowship group. I want to see your gifts used well in the kingdom because I'm going to have the best possible judgment day when people in my flock have the best possible judgment day. When Jesus looks at them and says, I gave you great talents, what did you do with them? And they say, I put them to work. Jesus will say, well done, good faithful servant. And then he'll turn to me as their pastor and say, well done for getting him to use his talents. So a lot of pastors sort of back up and go, well, I don't want to assume upon people. Go, well, if it was my mission, my empire, I'd feel that way. But it's Jesus' mission. It's Jesus' kingdom. It's Jesus' church. So I have no problem with telling people who are Jesus' people purchased by his blood, Jesus with Jesus' gifts given through the Spirit, to say, hey, use it in the, in the church this way. You're not building my thing, you're not building his thing, you're building Jesus' thing. Um, so yeah, it's really easy to, if you're among the people, it's harder to hide, in other words, at a church plan of 20, if you're the only guy not serving. You'll be serving next week. Like somebody will grab you. Hey, hey, will you do this? You do that. Um, so yeah, always. So again, I guess you're asking spiritual gifts, but I'm just going back to getting people serving. Yep. Um, but which serving is how spiritual gifts are identified. Exactly. That's yep. where, and, and this is what I'm saying. That's where they germinate. Right. right? That's where they'll bud. Mm. That's where they'll start growing. And so, yeah. So this is why I'm going back to our original like church plant philosophy, where you've got an elder and a deacon. You've got two people preaching and people are starting to come. I don't need to see an evidence of a whole bunch of spiritual gifts. Where, I, where there is the word being unleashed and the spirit of God blessing it and people start coming. And with a little bit of guidance and, and a good, good lot of shepherding, the spiritual gifts will start showing themselves and then you can... You can uh, you can move people around in their in their in their service or in their in their uh, ministries. And go, hey, I know you're leading evangelism because we needed somebody to lead the evangelism team. 
because we're a starting out church planet, that's awesome. But you need to put all your time into worship leading. You need to put all your time into uh, still going evangelism, but we're going to give leadership to this guy who's just killing it at evangelism, and you need to come over here into the deacon service, or you need to actually give more of your time towards the nursing ministry, or you need to actually start coming on the monthly, you know, uh, come and have a time with the pastors to develop your gifts of teaching because that's evident to us, you know. So it's sort of that beautiful period of a church when you're a church plant to be able to notice easily what things people are doing you're able to deploy and leverage people's abilities into the service of the kingdom um, with a lot of efficiency and you're but also just a lot of resting on God's sovereignty he will bring forth the evidences of people's spiritual gifts as it as the plant naturally grows you don't need to tape an apple onto it you don't need to to, to, to duct tape another branch onto it will grow as it grows we pray for it we preach we trust the spirit we put people into service the spiritual gifts will bud eventually and um, um, that, that's a big part of my philosophy about spiritual gifts as well yeah I will often have somebody tell me sometimes it's after I'm preaching and they'll just say hey you know you were speaking about this and that and you know what uh, you were right we need more people doing evangelism I'm gonna give myself to that I never mentioned evangelism explicitly in the sermon what are you talking about <laughs> they'll come up to me later and go hey thanks for preaching on that I'm, I'm gonna start uh, opening up my home a bit more for fellowship cool super awesome I never mentioned that today <laughs> well sometimes I did mention something generically or, or at a point of application and, and somebody will come up and go I realize I need to start doing that but, you know, so I now what I'm seeing happen there and over time what, what I'm seeing those things that become is the Spirit of God loves to awaken the, the gifts which start out as a hunger the gifts are usually starting out as a hunger rather than an ability they don't immediately become able to pray they hear a sermon and go, I, I wish I could pray like that. Like I've just heard. I wish I could pray like I heard Evan Roberts pray. I wish I could hear, you know, so it's a hunger first. They don't just become able to share the gospel awesomely and see people saved. It's that they hear a sermon or they're studying the word and go, I wish I could be a soul winner like that. I'm reading Spurgeon's biography, seeing how he's talking about the soul winning uh, uh, necessities and responsibilities of Christians and I hunger for it, right? So I, I think in large part, spiritual gifts start as hungers and those hungers are often awakened by the word of God as it is preached in, in, in the Sunday gathering that's what I've seen a lot of the time people who have really been blessed and are uh, fruitful in their ministry through through obvious and evident spiritual gifts they'll usually trace that back to well there was a sermon one day or you said this or the way you showed me that in, in Paul's letter here it, it really pushed me and that, so that's a big thing I would say to pastors as well is allow the word the spirit through the word to awaken and to bring to bud and fruition those gifts of the spirit in the church mm. very good if we've got this philosophy of um, rather than saying oh what's my gift let's do that let's serve finding what my gift is yeah if we've got this philosophy um, how does obeying Paul's command of earnestly pursuing the gifts Work. How should someone earnestly pursue the gifts? Especially that they may prophesy. Yeah, especially prophesy. And I think that the answer is everything I just said. Mm. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts looks like um, 
getting on mission and getting really hungry for building Jesus Church. That, so that, that's what it looked like externally. It doesn't mean go to conferences or hold prayer meetings and everything all about finding your spiritual gift. That's not what earnestly desiring them looks like. That that would be that would be what earnestly desiring them looks like if the gifts were for the gifts. But since the gifts are for the mission, you just you pursue the mission. That's how you desire the gifts. Right. If somebody says I. I, I, you don't know anybody more hungry for the spiritual gifts than me and their life is not filled with evangelism serving to the church regular devoted att uh, uh, attendance to the church and the means of grace and then that person so zealous for the spiritual gifts isn't serving heartily I go I know what you're saying you just you wish I'm gonna say you desire the desire for the spiritual gifts, but you don't have yet the desire for the spiritual gifts. Because if you actually had the spirit-born desire for the spiritual gifts, you couldn't help but serve the church. So obviously, your the, the desire in you is actually corrupted. Um, so people should. So yeah, if you want to desire the spiritual gifts, don't hear me saying that has nothing got to do with an internal hope for the for certain gifts of the spirit, especially that you prophesy. It does. But then what? There has to be something more than a wish and a hope and a hunger. Earnestly desire and then pursue the mission, praying to Jesus, give me the gift that your Holy Spirit would most be able to use me, build your kingdom through. But until you answer that prayer, I will not stop serving your church. And I'm going to try everything I can to build the church and devote to it and be committed and regular and responsible and reliable in my ministries. I'm just going to be that guy, the most reliable, hard worker, keeping my head down, busy in the kingdom. And then every day you pray that God would give to you such a spiritual gifting that you are a weapon in the hand of a holy God. Mm. And you also desire specifically that God would give to you... Uh, that prophetic gifting because because Paul says that mm. give to me that and here's how I clarify that again the way you desire prophecy is by desiring the word written say say somebody said I'm gonna set out to desire more than anybody else before me the gift of prophecy I would say okay become a theologian a doctrinal student dive into the Word of God divulge yourself in it just throw yourself into it because that is the person when you know how God speaks when you know what God speaks about when you know God's word the best and when you're devoted to the gifts he's already given which is the word then you're somebody who he could use with the gift of prophecy that would not be tempted to make the word all about the you know make make the gift all about the gift because mm. you you know the word you know what God does to people who do that mm. you, you no one will be more more warned than you against being a false prophet because you know what happens to false prophets. You, no one will ever be more be more cautioned than you to stay in the guidelines of the accepted teaching of the church and to to make every part of your gift as unimpressive and as not for show as possible. Maybe people don't even know you have the gift of prophecy because you are so good at just serving the church, knowing the word but you are gifted the most out of anybody with the gift of prophecy, that's all possible. You know? mm. So I'd say again, just as to serve the mission of the church and ask for the gifts, desire the gifts, pray for the gifts. Mm. Know the word, dive into the word and ask for the gift of prophecy mm. and never be dissatisfied or, or begrudging about what gifts God has given you. Mm. Um, 
I would even say this sort of as we as we almost drive into church. In closing, eternal life, saving faith, the Holy Spirit Himself, justification. I'm trying to think of what other ones there are. Are all actually charismatic gifts in the New Testament? If you go, which where where does Paul use the word of the charismata? You know, gifts of grace. Right. He also says, you know, imputed righteousness is a gift of grace to me. But we all get that. You know, when you speak of spiritual gifts, we don't all have the same ones. But, but in desiring something, something comparatively small, like prophecy or tongues, or the gift of service or the gift of teaching, we can miss the glorious gift of grace, which is imputed righteousness. Now, now there's no there's no such thing as an insignificant gift of the spirit. But don't overlook the basis, the foundational gifts of grace, which is. Uh, uh, all those things which pertain to our salvation um, and so start there serve the church trust that God will mm. show forth his, um, his gift so good. and calling in your life so the fruit of earnestly pursuing the gifts is serving in your church and being missional for the kingdom uh, no the how you seek your gifts is being missional right the fruit of that the fruit of um, uh, the fruit of desiring the gifts is receiving the gifts mm. The how you res you desire the gifts is by pursuing the mission. Yep. Okay. Clear. Yeah. Oh, good. Thanks Sweet. for tuning in, everyone. Absolutely. More spiritual gifts next week. Awesome. More tongues, more prophecy. We'll have all the prophetic words for you. Stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Catches.